0: Everybody, welcome back to the Football Mecca Fannies Fix podcast. I'm your host Kevin Hickey, and uh, we 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 got a great show for you today. We're gonna go through uh, our studs and duds. We're gonna hit some news, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna preview the Thursday night game between the Jets and the Bills. I'm your host Kevin Hickey, as always. With me is AJ Malak and Jeffrey Snyder, fellas. What's going on?
1: Not much. What's Excited what's for the first week of football to to be done with, and let's get on to week two.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm glad. Finally just sat on the couch all day on Sunday. Didn't do anything. I mean I think I got up once to go get some food and then I came back for the four thirty games and that was it. I was just on the couch all day.
1: It was sweet. Should almost should almost make week one a
2: national holiday. Yeah, and every and sixteen weeks it, after that too. It <laughs> almost ruined the excitement with that game last night. I stayed up to watch that whole thing. I guess I punished myself for that, that one. That was, brutal. that was one of the worst games offensively that I've ever
1: seen. I mean, that was just bad. Quite honestly, I fell asleep to it and ended up waking up with like a minute left and not not upset miss, about it one bit. You didn't you didn't <laughs>
0: miss anything during that nap. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to get into the news. Just some things to hit on. We're gonna start in San Diego and it's tough. It's it, it made me very sad because he's a guy that I really I targeted in every draft. I thought he was gonna have a phenomenal year, and that's Keenan Allen. He has a torn ACL. It's right ACL, he was he was running around, he was making a cut to the left, and his right knee just gave out. It's tough. I I was really upset when I heard it because I mean I had him on two teams. He was my number one wide receiver on one of my teams. So it's a huge blow for me, and I know it's a huge blow for a lot of fantasy owners. But AJ, uh, what do you think this is going to do to to the uh, Chargers' offense?
2: Uh, yeah, well, first off, terrible news. Have Keenan out on one team. Also, was really counting on him. He was headed towards a great year. You could tell from almost that first half he played. Almost at ten points. As Ooh. it was in point five PPR in regular PPR, he did have double digits already. He outscored Odell and Des Bryant combined in just those two quarters. So, uh, yeah, it kills the Chargers' offense. Phillip Rivers averages 90 less pass yards a game. The offense averages eight less points total per game. So he's about as key of a part as a, of an offense as there is in the league. And uh, it totally devalues most of the Chargers' pieces. I think it helps out Antonio Gates and Danny Woodhead. Danny Woodhead was getting carries, which even helps him out even more. Something surprising to see. But I think the targets will go up last year when – Keenan Allen was out. Danny Woodhead uh, dominated the target share, led all running backs. Actually, he was behind Theo Riddick, but other than that, led all running backs in receptions. So his value goes up. Gates' value goes up. But the Chargers as a team, not good. Not good for them.
1: Yeah, I couldn't really agree more. I mean, to me, honestly, I think uh, with everything you said, uh, somebody that goes down for sure is Travis Benjamin. I mean, now he's going to be the main focal point that teams are going to key on. I don't think he's going to be as big of a deep threat anymore as he would have been with Keenan Allen. Uh, I believe Allen had, what, six receptions for 60-something yards in that short amount of time, which if he would have continued on that uh, on that path for the whole year, teams would have been keying on him so much more, leaving Benjamin one-on-one. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, and also another person that might be going up uh, for me is Melvin Gordon. Uh, he might be seeing a lot more touches now, being that, they might need to go more towards the run game, uh, with the with the options that Philip Rivers are going to have on the outside there.
0: Yeah, you know, someone I I think definitely for sure gets a downgrade. It's Philip Rivers. That was his number one target. He's Keenan is show so sure-handed, and I saw I was on Twitter uh, the other day. I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, but I saw Matthew Berry tweet something, and he it was just a quick little stat from last year about Philip Rivers when he lost Keenan Allen to the to the freak lacerated kidney injury. And from weeks one through nine, Phillip Rivers was the QB two. He was averaging 20 points per game, like on a per game basis. And then after Keenan Allen got hurt from weeks 10 to 17, he was the QB 25. So it was just a huge difference on having Keenan Allen on the field and not having Keenan Allen on the field. Uh, a lot of people are going to miss him. He was a huge part of a lot of teams, and I know I'm going to miss him. But uh, moving on, we're going to go to Cleveland, and it's almost too good of a story. RG3 couldn't – I mean, he, he had a, a fractured coracoid coracoid bone in his shoulder. Uh, he, he got placed on the injured reserve list. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. He's not going to miss his season but they're going to reevaluate him in three weeks, and Josh McCown's going to take over. Uh, Jeffrey, who, who do you think gets an upgrade or, or a downgrade uh, from Josh McCown taking over?
1: Uh, for me, the people that it's going to help the most are, uh, I think it's pretty clear, Gary Barnage to start. Definitely. and, uh, and it, With Josh McCown in there last year, he I heard something and read something about him being, I think he was averaging like over 12 points a game with, Josh McCown last year, which would have been good enough for probably a top three tight end overall. And then uh, I also think Duke Johnson uh, gets a little upgrade here too, uh, especially because I don't, I haven't known McCown as being somebody that's going to push the ball downfield as much. So for me, I got Corey Coleman and Terrell Pryor dropping overall. I mean, still with me, I'm going to avoid everything that is Cleveland and that dumpster fire that's going to be happening this year for them. So, I'm not going to touch anybody on Cleveland uh, either way, but I still think Gary Barnage owner should be be happier that uh, McCown's in there over RG3.
0: Yeah, definitely. He threw up a big fat goose egg for me. Luckily, I was still able to
2: win, but A.J., do you have anything (laughs) to add to that? No, I agree. I just want to add that I don't think RG3 will start another game this year. I think that it's going to be, by the time that he's reevaluated and ready to go, they're going to be – 0-10, 1-9, 0-10, oh, 1-9, and I think they'll try to see what uh, Kessler's got, the guy they drafted in the third round that many people, including myself, had as a seventh-round guy. So, you know, a classic Browns draft choice. But I think they'll throw him into the fire with nothing to lose, probably nine games back of their division, the way the Steelers and the Bengals look by Week 10. So, um, yeah, I just don't think you'll see RT3 uh, in a Browns uniform again. And, yeah, like you said, Gary Barnage, Duke Johnson, get the upgrades for me. I uh, don't think it does anything for Josh Gordon, for people still waiting for him. I think he's in the same boat he was in. And, yeah, avoid avoid Browns for the most part.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that list of QBs for the Browns is just going to get a little bit longer. So uh, moving <laughs> on, we're going to Jacksonville. Chris Ivory was admitted to the hospital I think it was. Uh, there was reported on Saturday, right? It happened on Saturday. Uh, most people found out about it on Sunday, right before the game. And he was admitted to the hospital on Saturday, but he left on Tuesday. He was cleared, and it was just a general medical issue. I don't know if any. I don't know if you guys have have heard anything different, but I couldn't find out. You know what the actual problem was with Ivory, but his his status for Sunday is still uncertain. They're playing the Chargers, which is a great matchup. And do you think that with, if Ivory cannot play, is TJ Yeldon a must start?
1: Personally, I'm first off saying that, uh, hopefully everything's okay with Chris Ivory. Yeah. them not not releasing really anything. Uh, I mean, especially for, for just him in general and the Jags who went out and targeted him specifically in, in the free agent market. But, uh, with T.J. Yeldon, I I think yeah, I mean he's he's going to be their their workhorse back. Uh, and he didn't, I don't believe he really did all that much. Uh, wasn't anything special against the Packers this last week. But I I still am going to go with somebody that's going to get a bulk of the carries and the touches overall and out of the backfield. Uh, at least look at him to be a minimum of a running back two, with a possibility of getting up to that lower tier running back one, one uh, for this week
0: as long as Ivory's not out there. What do
2: you think, AJ? Uh, yeah, he's an absolute must start for me. San Diego's defense. Let Spencer Ware run wild on them. Uh, TJ Elden, I don't think, is as good of a player as Spencer Ware. He didn't look particularly great against Green Bay, but just the opportunity and the volume, he managed to get himself in the end zone and have a pretty nice day. I think that the efficiency will go up, and if Ivory can't play, then I would expect Yeldon to get all the carries and probably find himself in the end zone again. So I would definitely feel comfortable starting him as a flexer in RB2.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, It was reported today that New Orleans Saints running back C.J. Spiller was released. He is fully healthy, but he was inactive, I'm pretty sure, uh, when they played on Sunday against the Raiders. Yeah, a healthy scratch. Yeah, it was a healthy scratch. Travaris Cadet looks to replace him. Uh, I know he got a couple. He got a couple targets the other day on Sunday. He, I mean, he could be a good pickup if you need depth in a PPR league. If you need depth at running back, he's going to be the the pass catching back. I still think Mark Ingram's going to dominate the shares in that in that backfield. But AJ, do you think? Uh, what do What do you think of this news?
2: Well, I actually have uh, – my friends make jokes about it all the time. I've never been able to let go of my love for C.J. Spiller ever since Clemson. Uh, you know, had him the one year in Buffalo where he went off, had him every year since, chasing chasing that year again. You know, took him, took him in a couple of leagues even this year. Uh, once I heard he was going to New Orleans, being that passing down guy. You know I was so excited, I love his talent and uh, his his career has just been a roller coaster up to this point. I mean, the guy's so talented and just can't find a role on a team and it's, it's crazy to me because if you look at that year in Buffalo, he was unbelievable. He was five yards per carry every time he touched the ball, it was like he was going 20 yards and no one could touch him and now you know and the Saints had to pay him his fully guaranteed money if he was on the roster past week one. So they keep him for week one, scratch him, and then cut him. So they pay him. All I I, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on with him. Now they're saying he's fully healthy. Makes no sense to me at all. And I'm just hoping he lands in a good spot where he can – where I could just watch him play, honestly. Not even if I have to own him. I just want to see some C.J. Spiller.
1: Jeffrey, what you got on that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, overall, with C.J. Spiller, I mean, unfortunately it has been a disappointment since – uh, since that big year in Buffalo. There's a lot of expectations for him last year. Uh, people are expecting him to take on the Darren Sproles role and all that in New Orleans, which unfortunately was never unfolded. But, I mean, he, he is talented. He's a talented back. It's just between being healthy and finding the correct role on a team, is that's the tough part. And uh, What A.J. was saying about him being fully guaranteed uh, contract after week one, I mean, the only thing you can think of is that. The Saints were looking for a trade partner, and no one was interested. I mean, especially this late, uh, this late offseason, beginning of the season, as is. So, I mean, I don't think really anybody's going to be making a trade for a running back like that. So, especially when teams are calling to trade him, you know, they're just going to drop him anyways, or just stash him. So, uh, hopefully, he lands on a team, lands back up on his feet, and and gets to uh, make those exciting plays that he was making back in his heyday in Buffalo. Yeah, so if you
0: if you could say one team or a couple teams that do pick him up, I mean, do you guys have any teams in mind that
1: that need a running
0: back with his skill set?
1: A team I could honestly see might be uh, might be like an Oakland. Uh, it's not like they're very high on Latavius Murray. I mean, they have DeAndre Washington, but I mean, a team like Oakland already has a high powered passing game. I could see uh, see a team like them possibly taking a flyer on them. Uh, that's just that's one of the ones I can think of right away on the top of my head, but I'm sure, there's sure there's other options out there for him to get going. Yeah, definitely. I hope he gets on another team because he he
0: is he's an exciting player to watch. He's very flashy on the field. The he te- make, he can make plays. Go ahead, AJ. The
2: team the team that pops up in my head actually is the LA Rams. I mean, they love to throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage to fast guys and not block for him. So I figure CJ Spiller would fit in perfect there.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. That'd, that'd be interesting because you already got Gurley and Benny Cunningham there. So, uh, with our with some news, we uh, we we're gonna go to Buffalo and Sammy Watkins. I don't know. I've heard so many different things about this. He, I've heard that he he needs surgery on his foot. That he doesn't need surgery. It's just a pain tolerance thing. That you know, Sammy himself said he was good to go. So, is there anything that you guys have heard on this, or, or anything that you know? Are are you gonna start him Thursday night? I mean he's he's got a quick turnaround. He's playing Thursday night against the Jets.
2: There's no way that I'm starting him. I'm very scared of this news. We've seen what happens with these lingering foot issues. Des Bryant dealt with it. Julio Jones, I remember was a top top 20 pick and when he rebroke the when the screw came out in his foot and he needed to get another surgery. Julian, Julian Edelman. Edelman had yeah. to get the sec had to get that second surgery this off so, I mean, even if it's a pain tolerance thing, you don't want to trot out a wide receiver whose foot hurts. I mean, what position needs to use their feet more than a wide receiver who cuts and breaks on routes using their, their bottom of their foot? Uh, I think that if the Bills fall out of contention pretty early, which from their week one showing seems like a good possibility, I think that they're going to make the right football decision and shut them down. So if I'm you and I own Sammy Watkins, I know that people aren't aren't going to be giving you a lot, but I might take what I could get for him and trade him while I can before he winds up on IR because I don't think the situation gets any better. Like they said, there's really no treatment for this. Jeffrey, yeah, personally,
1: I'm uh i I'm not particularly high on Sammy Watkins this year, uh, especially with that foot injury happening. I don't i don't foresee him really being ever a hundred percent which i mean players say that they're never hundred percent since their first days in the nfl or even college but I, mean, I I don't see him being able to be as explosive without having a fully healthy foot that like aj was touching on that you, you need to be able to do your cuts and he's one of those electric players that he gets the ball in the open field and he can take the ball 90 yards for a touchdown and Without being 100 percent with that foot, it makes me nervous. And overall, just being able to separate from defensive backs and uh, basically make them look silly out there, like you did to Rivas last year. I mean, it's it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be tough for for him to duplicate that. So personally, I'm not starting him this week, and I'd be trying to uh, trying to trade him and see what you can get from him.
0: Yeah, it it, it sucks to see him kind of have a the injury history that he has because he's such a dynamic player. He's such a fun player to watch. And one guy that I really think this affects greatly is Tyrod Taylor, and it hurts me to say that because Tyrod was a guy that I was very high on this year going into the drafts. You could, you got him super cheap, 10 to 12th round, and now if he doesn't have Sammy Watkins, I, I just don't see him putting up numbers that we kind of expected him to. We knew he wasn't going to throw the ball a ton, but he's so efficient with, with his passes that... If he has Sammy Watkins there, he's—I mean—he's a borderline top ten guy every week, just because he can—he can run the ball. So that—that that is something that owners should keep in mind. And if—if if you own Tyrod Taylor, maybe you might need to start looking around. I don't know if Sammy Watkins doesn't play Thursday. I don't—I don't feel that comfortable playing Tyrod Taylor against the Jets. And no, I think you might need to start looking around. You know, maybe you pick up Joe Flacco for the week. Uh, he's playing Cleveland, and he looked good uh, this past week on Sunday. So AJ, let me ask you this. What, uh, do you think this has any negative effect on the McCoy?
2: Well, I was going to get to that later. What's going on with running backs, running backs, uh, in bad offenses that we love to love because we know that the volume is going to be there. But, um, we'll get to that when we talk about duds later. I have a feeling Jeff isn't going to like that segment too much what I got to say. But, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll wait for that one. All right, yeah, sounds good.
0: We're going to take a little break right I'll before we it. get into our uh, right before we get into uh, the studs and duds part of our our show. We want you to what to tell you guys just to go check out qbmecca.com. We all write for the site. It's a great site. Matt Daly does a great job with all of the writers. It's your one-stop place for all things quarterbacks, whether it be fantasy, analysis, or just news in general. It's, it's a great place. We all love it. And just go check it out. It's a great place. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we're, we're always looking for new writers. So if you're somebody that you know likes to write about fantasy football or or just quarterbacks in general, don't be afraid to hit any of us up. You know, email Matt or DM the uh, Twitter for QB Mecca. So that's something to always keep in mind. But we appreciate all the support, and we just, you know, go check that out because we're always trying to give you guys great content to read. Now we're going to get into – we're going to start with the duds. We're going to start with the good. Um, I'll start it off, and this is a guy that I was very high on all year, all off season, ever since the Super Bowl, and that's C.J. Anderson. When I watched this guy play on Thursday night, I was so happy because he single-handedly got me a win. He had, he had uh, 139 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns. And something that, that I really liked to see was his volume out of the passing game. And just to see him catch passes and, and to see him get the, the main share of the work, it, it really makes C.J. Anderson owners happy to see that because we weren't really sure what we were going to see with Devontae Booker and and you know Ronnie Hillman left so that was great but Devontae Booker fumbled on his first carry he did get another chance but my first stud of the week is CJ Anderson so CJ thank you for for your first week hopefully you can keep it up
1: (laughs) I uh I also had CJ Anderson as one of my one of my studs for the week here uh I think he did all that against a very solid Carolina defense and I think the thing that helps him out the most is, honestly, that Peyton Manning's not there anymore. Uh, With him not being there, Gary Kubiak can run his offense where running backs have been known to be incredibly successful in. Uh, That zone blocking scheme, uh, the one cut backs, uh, basically just read the hole, hit them hard and go. And uh, with that type of offense, uh, C.J. Anderson seems to be the perfect fit. So uh, everything you said, I agree. He was one of my studs definitely for this week.
0: AJ who was uh, who was one of your studs?
2: Uh, my stud was my offseason stud the guy I've been hyping up the guy I've been trying to get on every draft AJ Green. AJ Green went to Rebus Island he set up a tent he had an all you could drink bar out there. he had a five course meal He was he was I'm telling you this is the year of AJ Green if he could stay healthy. He's going to put up monster numbers, 180 yards, 12 catches, and a TD against Darrell Revis. This week he goes to Pittsburgh to verse a couple rookie corners and Russ Cockrell. Oh, man, you could expect the same thing again. A.J. Green's schedule only gets easier from here. Um, I honestly I expected a big year from him, but didn't expect him to get off to this kind of a fast start, and I was loving everything I saw from him. The targets were there. He had the highest target share of any receiver for his team in week one and I expect more of the same heading into the season so I loved what I saw from AJ.
0: Yeah I think it's I think it's good to see that AJ can do well even though they the Bengals lost a lot they lost Hugh Jackson their offensive coordinator but they also lost Marvin Jones and Muhammad Sanu and a lot of people were wondering you know whether are they going to be able to put the kind of same numbers they did and I think to have to have uh A.J. Green go up against Terrell Revis and have 150 yards and a touchdown. I mean that's Andy Dalton. I saw Andy Dalton had a perfect pass rating, but they actually changed it. It's like it's like 153 point something. So to be able to have your to have A.J. Green go up against Duel Revis, I don't think there's any questions about this Bengals offense. But my uh, my my second stud is the guy who played last night, Antonio Brown. He, uh, he went off. He went absolutely nuts against the Redskins, something I love to see as a Giants fan. I know A.J. does too. Just to see him just absolutely that <laughs> secondary. Yeah, that guy's pretty that good. No? <laughs> but he did phenomenal, as always. And it's kind of unfair to put Antonio Brown into the stud section, but he was just so good. I mean, he made some incredible catches. Him and Ben Roethlisberger have not lost a step. And as long as as long as long Ben Roethlisberger is on the field and, and Antonio Brown, obviously, at the same time, Antonio's going to put up great numbers. He's going to see a ton of targets. And you know my favorite thing from last night was seeing that celebration. That was, that was awesome. That was kind of like, I don't <laughs> know, if you've gotten seen Key and, and Peel but with the Hingle McRingleberry pumps. I mean, that was that was hilarious.
1: <laughs> he he did he did one thrust too much on that one. One
0: one too many. <laughs> definitely, almost, definitely drew the flag. You can almost
1: see the ref in the background. Almost see the ref he, in the background, like thinking wait, like, do one on. more, <laughs> do one more. He was he was
0: <laughs> counting. You let him do the first three, and then he drew the flag. <laughs> All right, Jeffrey, who's uh, your second stud?
1: Uh, mine is actually Willie Sneed. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. we, our last podcast, we, we did talk up this game as being a, being a shootout, which it was. And Willie Sneed had 172 yards and a touchdown. I mean, I understand he's not going to do that consistently on a week to week basis, but I mean, I think he's really going underneath the radar and he, I mean, he really torched that, that o- new and improved Oakland secondary and defense, uh, all day, uh, I mean, going forward. I mean, last year he had almost a thousand yards, and uh, but going forward, I would still be using him as a every week wide receiver three or borderline wide receiver two, depending on his matchup. Uh, so for me, Willie Snead, uh, I, I thought he that he definitely overperformed, and he's he's one of my one of my three studs for this week. Yeah, that that
0: might have been the quietest 172 receiving yards and a touchdown game that I've <laughs> ever seen, and it it was a little tough because he yeah. got overshadowed by Brandon Cooks, but. But yeah, he had a phenomenal week, and I th- I think he's he's a great receiver, and if we could just ever figure out who Drew Brees wants to throw to, then we'll be able to kind of to know what to know f- uh, to go from there. But AJ, who's your guy?
2: My other stud is was my also my sleeper, who I now think has cemented his role in his offense, even when Jamal Charles gets back, and that is Spencer Ware. Uh, we knew Spencer Ware. Um, you know, had the most yards after contact last year, second most yards per carry. What we did hear in the offseason but didn't know was that he was working on his pass catching and seven catches for well over 100 yards, 11 carries for 70 yards, a touchdown. I mean, this guy is a monster. He's a really, really, really good football player. And when given the opportunity, he shows it. And I think that with the news that now that Jamal Charles may sit out week two. Even when Charles comes back, they're gonna they're gonna ease him in now. They have no reason to give the ball back to Charles thirty times a game. Um, you know, Spencer Ware can easily handle half the load, if not even most of the load, and give Jamal Charles that change of pace back roll that he'd be lethal in, because we all know he's an all time great. But uh Spencer Ware, my study of the week, finished as the R B two after that showing by D'Angelo Williams last night. But I think even more of the reason he's the stud is I think that he earned he earned half the carries when Jamal Charles gets back, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, so let me ask you this. When, If and when Jamal Charles comes back, who are you starting if you have both Spencer Ware and Jamal Charles?
2: I think Ware's got the touchdown upside. I think that until further notice, until I see Jamal Charles come back and be Jamal Charles, I think it's Ware. And I'm being completely honest. Like, if Jamal Charles was to be – if you were to tell me Jamal Charles is playing this week, I still think I'd have no problem trotting Ware out as a flex or an RB2.
0: Yeah, I think the most important thing yeah, there I
2: mean, is
0: sorry, Jeffrey. Um, nope keep going. Keep going. I, I think the most important thing there is Ware is likely to get – to hold on to the goal line carries. Jamal Charles has never been a goal line back. He's always kind of – Scored his touchdowns from, like, you know, 15 yards out or or 20 yards out because he's so talented. But I think that's the big thing with Spencer Ware is is even when Jamal Charles comes back, he's still going to retain the goal line carries. Jeffrey,
1: what you got? Uh, For me, honestly, I mean, I'm going to play play Spencer Ware if you have him uh, until Charles gets back. And then even when Charles is back, uh, wait a week or two. But, I mean, just going off the straight-up history of Andy Reid, uh, when Charles comes back, I mean, they can say all they want. I, I still think that once he gets into the main flow of things, Andy Reid's never had a two-back system. So, I mean, even in, in Philadelphia when he had uh, Brian Westbrook, he, he was even using him at the goal line, and we all know Brian Westbrook was no goal line back. So uh, I I trot out Spencer Ware for me personally until Charles comes back to feeling his full health, and then after that, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be pretty wary about it all because uh, just – I see what you did there. Yeah, I was going to say, I was, not, was that a little <laughs> pun? Pun, pun was completely and utterly not intended on that one. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, honestly, I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be uh, basically wondering if Spencer Ware's going to even have that ginormous of a role because Andy Reid's never been known to have a two back system.
0: Definitely, so it, it's it's definitely going to be something to monitor uh, in the coming weeks. And my third Until then
1: definitely throw him out there.
0: Oh, definitely. I'm I'm throwing Spencer Ware out there. It's kinda of like a D'Angelo Williams thing. Like I, I drafted yep. D'Angelo in a couple of leagues and I'm going to throw him out there regardless of the matchup simply because I know I'm not gonna have him at least when week four starts. We don't know what Le'Veon's gonna do. We don't, we don't I mean, hopefully he doesn't get hurt, but I don't I'm gonna throw out D'Angelo Williams every week that he's a, that he's a starter. I'm gonna throw out Spencer Ware every week that he's a starter. Because they're going to put up those kind of numbers.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, moving on to our to my third stud of the week, and he kind of worried me a little bit when the game first started because he it kind of took him a, a, a while to get going. But Matthew Stafford wound up with, and he I mean he wasn't even the best quarterback in this game, but for me personally, he was on my team, and I kind of got I got him in like the 14th round because I was trying to wait. I, was, I tried to wait for Tyrod, and then Tyrod went in like a ninth. so I was like, alright, I'll just wait for somebody else. 14th round came around, got Matthew Stafford, had a phenomenal matchup against the Colts. I urge everybody, whoever is playing the Colts, you start those people. I mean, everybody on this team had a good game. And Matthew Stafford, he had 340 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He got off to a slow start, but then he absolutely kicked it up, and it was a phenomenal game, too. So... That is my third stud of the week, Jeffrey. Who's uh, who's your third?
1: My third one, which, if I'm not mistaken, you actually wrote about in your streamers on QB Mecca. There, uh, Alex Smith, I oh, believe, yeah. was one of the one of the people that you talked about. Uh, yeah, he's got mine. Right. I mean, they <laughs> they started they started off slow, uh, but then Alex Smith almost single handedly. Started that whole comeback. I mean, he finished with 363 passing yards with two touchdowns, and he also ran for 15 yards and a touchdown in that comeback win. Uh, I know he's not known to be throwing for over 300 passing yards, almost 400 yards a game, but uh, this week, if if you did start him, you were very happy with uh, with the outcome. And uh, I, I he's to me was one of the stud quarterbacks of this week for sure, uh, showing up when no one else expected him to. AJ,
0: who's your guy?
2: Well, you stole my guy. You stole my start of the week for my uh, starts and sits. But um, <laughs> No, my other guy is Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks was the number one scoring wide receiver yesterday. Had a 98-yard touchdown. Got Sean, uh, Sean Smith benched. Um, Cooks, Cooks is the kind of guy that's going to have these games every once in a while. Um, he... Was an absolute stud, and I would tell everyone that owns Brandon Cooks, and I know this sounds crazy, but you got you got to you got to at least listen to what I got to say here. Trade him, trade him this second. Go to the go to whoever your friend is. Go tell him. Go on NFL.com. Check that box score and get what you can for Brandon Cooks. You know he's he is that deep threat guy. Yeah, he had a 98-yard touchdown. That's 15 points there as it is um he doesn't catch that touchdown you know he's got 15 and there's going to be weeks where he goes he does do this but he reminds me a lot of in his prime to Deshaun jackson you know you're either going to get six five points from him or you're going to get 30 he's going to win you some weeks and he's going to lose you some weeks so if you can go and maybe a guy is down on Allen robinson or maybe a guy is down on brandon marshall and you could somehow flip brandon cooks even maybe a Brandon Cooks and Spencer Ware, like we were just talking about, you're gonna, or D'Angelo Williams. You're going to have those guys to week four. If you go flip those guys and get a surefire wide receiver one or an RB one, I would do it. Because Brandon Cooks was an absolute stud this week. But I am actually very down on Brandon Cooks this year. And as impressive as he was, now he blessed you with the chance to go out and get some value for him. So that's what I would go do.
0: So you're you're suggesting to sell high.
2: Uh, That is, it's not going to get higher than that. He just went off. (laughs)
0: That's true. I think – and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, Willie Sneed, and the fact that that offense is so potent and Drew Brees is so good, but we don't know who he's going to throw to. So Brandon Cooks could put up those those numbers this week, and then next week he could give you like a two for 34. And the thing is we just don't know. So that's actually a good idea. I mean, if you can get somebody – Michael Thomas –
2: Michael yeah. Thomas hasn't figured it out yet. Kobe Fleener hasn't figured it out yet. They're going to start passing to Cadet. Mark Ingram didn't get that many targets. There's too many, there's a lot of targets to go around. And that was a shootout. You know, a lot of the Saints games are going to be shootouts. But if, and now with this, coverages are going to roll to Brandon Cooks, Willie Sneed, Michael Thomas, Kobe Fleener. It's not like Drew Brees has to force it to Cooks. It's not an A.J. Green situation or Antonio Brown. Exactly.
1: Yeah, to me, it, I just think that offense in general with Drew Brees is so potent. I mean, they they, were, they will find creative ways to get their best people in space the ball. And, I mean, Brandon Cooks might arguably be that best person on that team. So, I mean, through wide receiver screens or, you know, end around stuff like that, uh, even him on a deep route, uh, I, I think they're going to gonna find ways to get him the ball. And so, for me, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. And I'm, unless I'm completely and really blown away by a trade because somebody's like, oh, I need him. I'm I'm keeping him on my team. I'm, I think each week he's he's at least a wide receiver two for you, uh, but that's where that's where I'm on the opposite end of AJ there. So would you look at that? We we'll, disagreed we'll, on something. We'll, we'll revisit this later on down the road. I'm sure we
0: will. <laughs> but uh, we're going to move on to our dud section. And Jeffrey, we're going to start with you. Who's your
1: first dud of the week? I'm not proud of this dud, and it's not Adrian Peterson. You guys. <laughs> It's uh, actually the quarterback that I had rated as number one going into the week, and that's Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, were expecting this to be a Seahawks blowout over the Dolphins. Uh, he only had 258 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception with only 16 rushing yards, and one fumble lost. Uh, with that, uh, I mean, it's obviously a very poor game for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. I don't know if people were just underestimating the Dolphins defense as a whole or if they just straight up overperformed knowing that hostile uh, environment they're going into uh but I mean it's it was just a poor overall performance by the entire Seahawks team and that includes Russell Wilson who many people were expecting to carry this team all year long especially not knowing about that running game yet
0: yeah definitely that was that was rough I had him on one of my teams and it was a rough week. Luckily, I still came out to win. But yeah, he did, he did not put up a good a good uh, week one, and that ankle injury it's something to monitor. It's definitely something to monitor in the coming weeks. If he can't scramble, that hinders his game a lot. And that offensive oh, line, yeah. a lot of people saw that He's offensive poor. line did not play very well. So that is something to definitely monitor. And AJ, who is your uh, who's your dud of the week? Hit it
2: up. Well, uh- I'm gonna I'm gonna combine two people into a section I call running backs that we were high on due to volume, but we forgot that efficiency matters as well. And that <laughs> that goes for uh, Jeffrey's man Adrian Peterson and Jeffrey's other man Todd Gurley. Um, I'm not as worried about Adrian Peterson as I am Todd Gurley. I'll get to that. Adrian Peterson, you know, he's an older back. He's gonna start off slow. But um, Adrian Peterson, 1.6 yards per carry. Todd Gurley, 2.8 yards per carry. Now, what Adrian Peterson, well, obviously, you know, they both had plus matchups. San Fran and Tennessee, not necessarily defenses that put a lot of fear into opponents. Um, but, you know, when you have no threat of a passing game. Now, this is way less for the Vikings than it is for the Rams. Because Stefan Diggs, you know, he looked great. Treadwell is gonna get it, figure it out. Kyle Rudolph's good, uh, you know he's a good tight end, and I think Bradford's gonna be an upgrade to Sean Hill. But um, this is more for Gurley. Adrian Peterson uh, owners don't panic. And if you you got a guy who in your league who has Adrian Peterson and he's panicking, try to buy well. Um, Todd Gurley, on the other hand, I am I was worried about him going into the off season. You know, all we heard is oh he's gonna get so many touches. He's electric. Todd Gurley, according to a stat I saw last night, faced an eight-man box or a stacked box on 85% of the plays yesterday. He also, he averaged 2.8 yards per carry, and 93% of his rushing yards came after contact. So, I mean, no one's doubting that Todd Gurley's a star. He's a ridiculous athlete. He's an unbelievable running back, and he did all he possibly could and could still only muster up 2.8 yards per carry. There is no threat of a passing game on that team whatsoever. Tavon Austin had 13 targets yesterday, 12 targets yesterday, and had 13 receiving yards.
1: Hey, they're trying to There's, get him as 100
2: catches. There is no, <laughs> there is no threat whatsoever. And you gotta, no matter how good Todd Gurley is, if you have eight other NFL players, elite level, world class athletes trying to stop one guy and one guy only, and you don't have a good offensive line. The floor for Todd Gurley is just so low. Like I said, I think Adrian Peterson, this was obviously a bad week against Tennessee. He's going to face a lot of stack boxes too, but he's proven time in and time out that he could beat them, and once they get that passing game threat with Bradford back, I think he'll be all right. Gurley, on the other hand, I was nervous about going in, and I didn't even expect, expect this Rams offense to be this bad. I mean, if you watched that game last night, Case Keenum, I think finished with less than 90 passing yards on 29 attempts. I mean, it is just about as bad. His floor, and that was one of his easiest matchups. It's only going to get worse. He plays Seattle this week. There is no way I am starting Todd Gurley this week against Seattle. I'll play Yeldon. I'll play Danny Woodhead. I'll play Geo. I don't care who it is. I His floor, his floor is legitimately three points, 30 yards, because by the time they're down 14 nothing. They go away from him. He doesn't really get the ball in the passing game. There's just his floor is so low, and uh, his just efficiency is not going to be there this year. This yeah. week,
1: I'm I would actually I'm actually kind of high on Todd Gurley against the Seahawks, and the reason only reason being because they're in L. A. for the first time. That stadium is going to be just nuts in there. Look, first time ever, for ever the at a home game. Sold
2: their tickets after watching that game <laughs> yesterday.
1: That game was poor, but. I can also say last year, being a Vikings fan, we played Monday night opening game against the 49ers, and the 49ers crushed us. Made AP look silly, made Terry Bridgewater look silly, made the entire Vikings team as a whole look silly. It's just, it's almost like a repeat of last year. Carlos Hyde looked like a complete stud <laughs> and then just went downhill. I mean, I I agree with you. AP's obviously going to be a lot overall better, in my opinion, than Todd Gurley because Todd Gurley's not used to these eight, nine-man boxes in the NFL yet, like AP has been throughout his entire career, and Case Keenum is also a joke. I mean, there's there's no threat at all for the Rams, but uh, I think Todd Gurley will get it going. Just might take a little while for him to get used to, to all that uh, that stacked boxes.
2: Yeah. What I agree. are you expecting him to do against Seattle this week? We might have to get a podcast bet going here. <laughs> uh, Quite
1: honestly, I mean, I, I could see him scrounging up a touchdown in the red zone. And, uh, You know, I could honestly see about 60, 70 rushing yards. They're going to still pass the ball to him out of the backfield if he's available So uh, out there. So I, I could see scrounging up a late, late garbage time touchdown. The Rams the Rams might be your best bet at getting garbage time touchdowns this year. like they, kind of like the Jags they, last year.
2: <laughs> they they got to get in the red zone, though. <laughs> That's just, oh, they it's, didn't do it's, it against the Niners. It'll be a battle. It's week one.
1: It's a long season. Plus, in Jeff Fisher's tenure at with the Rams, I mean, he's always played the Seahawks tough for some reason. I don't know why. That's but against the Seahawks, his team shows up. It's so weird. But I, I just this this week, I Jeff Fisher might lay into him a little bit, even though he's going to go seven and nine, eight and eight on the season, anyways. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to me, I mean, still still believe in Todd Gurley. He spent a high draft pick on him for a reason, so I'm, I'm trotting out my number one players either way, kind of like Cam Newton last week against the Broncos.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he jumped ship just yet. It does concern me, though, because this was such an, a nice matchup for Gurley, and he does not get a lot of targets in the passing game, but I think it just proves that it really does help running backs when they have a very productive quarterback. I and mean, Case Keenum, that was awful last night. That was brutal, and it just goes to show that to have, to be productive as a running back, it's very important for you to have a good quarterback. But my first dud is going to be Ezekiel Elliott, and I know everybody's saying, you know, you got a touchdown. If you take away that touchdown, he had a brutal game. He had he had fifty. Bad. He had fifty one yards and averaged 2.5 yards per carry. I know there was a lot of hype coming out of the preseason, and for good reason. He looked like a monster. He was knocking over Cam Chancellor. But, I mean, the Giants definitely, they improved their defensive line, but a lot of people, we still weren't sure what we were going to see with that. They weren't even letting him get to the outside. And I don't think it's something to be concerned with that much going forward with Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's still going to be fine. He's going to be productive. But to see him average 2.5 yards per carry, only 51 yards, and then to see Alfred Morris come in and get 35 yards on on five or seven carries, I mean, it kind of concerns me because if he can't go up against defensive lines that are, you know, middle of the pack, then what's going to happen? So I think it's just something you monitor. I I think you still throw him out there next week, but he's definitely a dud for me. If you take away that touchdown, he, he was very unproductive so oh, yeah definitely uh, yeah it just it, it concerned me I mean I liked it because I was a Giants fan but that's besides the point <laughs> Jeffrey who's uh your second dud
1: uh quickly real I'm gonna go back to uh going back to the Rams and Case Keenum uh they should be in panic mode almost to me if Jared Goff was not able to beat out that guy to mm-hmm. start the to be the starting quarterback uh just going to. He say wasn't that able real to quick. beat out
2: that guy's backup. Yeah, that was Sean <laughs> yeah. He, he was
1: in street clothes. So, I mean, for him not be able to do that, they've, they've got to be panicking. They gave up all these picks for him. Uh, enough on the Rams. My next uh, <laughs> my, my next dud is actually, we touched on him a little bit earlier, put a good old goose egg, Gary Barnage. Uh, zero catches, zero yards, literally nothing on the day. Uh, I know a lot of people came in uh, – Pretty excited about him from the season he had last year, but uh, I know he definitely made a lot of fantasy owners very upset, including you, Kevin. So I don't did. think there's much more I need to say other than a big old goose egg is not a good way to start the season, and that's why he's a dud. Definitely. AJ, who you got?
2: Um, this is going to seem like the Giants fans ripping on the Cowboys oh, out man. here there because go. that's exactly what it is. It's <laughs> exactly what it is. But uh, Des, Des Bryant. You didn't play in a .5 PPR or a PPR league, you got zero points from Des Bryant. He was uh on Denor's Jenkins Island, the new cornerback island in New York. Um, but yeah, he, you know, another play <laughs> another play reviewed, another touchdown that, you know, Des didn't catch it. I saw it all over Twitter again. That right Dez there that right there it. means the NFL is officially
0: back. If Des is if Des has a catch that gets overturned in the end zone, that yeah. means we are back to football. Well,
2: the season is officially back when Dez doesn't catch. And, you know, he just comes out now and, like, he's shocked. Like, he just doesn't understand why he just has to keep watching himself on the jumbo trying to drop and touchdowns. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he was totally phased out of that offense. Um, you know, Giants obviously rolled coverage towards him a little bit and tried to make Terrence Williams and Jason Witten and other guys beat him. But, I mean, he didn't even have that many targets. I, th- I think it was six or seven, if I remember correctly, one catch for eight yards. So, uh, Des Bryant owners, you know, you got the injury history, no Romo. I think you got to be concerned long-term, and he was definitely a dud this week. If you're in a standard league, you got squat.
1: Another dud from that team just because of his stupidity as Terrence Williams for not going out of bounds.
0: Man, that was brutal. That was just – that was bad. (laughs) I mean, you could even see Des Bryant in the background just yelling, get over, get over, get
1: out of bounds. He's pointing Mm -hmm. to the out-of-bounds mark for him to get out, and he just, nope, I'm going to cut inside yeah that was brutal so now we're we're gonna I think move it was on. a great play by Terrence
0: yeah I mean I loved it I loved it I'm not gonna be mad about it but <laughs> for fantasy purposes that's that's gonna lose you some targets <clears throat> but we're gonna move on to our Thursday night preview we have the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills uh we talked we kind of touched on the, the Bills earlier about Tyrod and and Sammy Watkins but are you starting anybody from any of these teams? Are you excited about this game? or What, what are you guys thinking about Thursday night's matchup?
1: Honestly, both quarterbacks are are no goes for me. Uh, I'm not touching them. Uh, we talked about Sammy Watkins, something we really need to go much more in depth with him. I'm not starting him this week. Uh, I do like Matt Forte. Uh, a lot of people thought it was going to be more of a 50-50 split with him and below Powell, but he showed that he is the number one back in that system, and they're going to they're gonna ride him uh, through that. So I, I would try out Forte, uh, at least as a running back, too, uh, going into that game. I mean, I don't like playing anybody in Thursday night games. It seems that one team always comes to show up, the other team doesn't. And so it's really a 50-50 shot who's going to be showing up. But uh, I'd, I'd still try out Forte in that game. Uh, and then I, I would honestly think about sitting McCoy. I mean, the Jets front seven. Is Studley. I mean, they just got done playing the Bengals. I know Revis got got torn apart by AJ Green, but even even with that, they held Jeremy Hill to 31 rushing yards on nine carries and Geo to a total of 30 total yards on seven total touches. So, and that, I mean, their front seven so athletic and dominant that I just I just I, I don't know how much I can trust uh, the Sean McCoy in this game. Yeah, that was actually
0: without Sheldon Richardson too. He was suspended for the game, so they're going to get him back. So that defensive line is gonna be even better.
1: Yeah. So, so what, they're just gonna pin their ears back and be able to attack that attack that team.
0: Yeah. So AJ, what do you got? Do you uh let me ask you this. Are you concerned at all about Brandon Marshall or do you think he's gonna bounce back?
2: Um, no, I I'm a little concerned about Marshall just because it seemed to be that that hip injury that's been lingering that we've been hearing about in the offseason seemed to slow him down a little bit. Um, I'm still starting him. I mean, a lot of people don't really realize that the Bills have one of the better cornerback duos in the NFL, Stefan Gilmore and Ronald Darby. So, you know, if, if it winds up that Decker or Marshall throw you a dud, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm still going to, you know, who he's starting over. Marshall is really more my question. Um, you know, Decker seems to always score a touchdown. It's pretty incredible. This guy's just, he scores a, t- you know, like he's not flashy at all. He's just in, there he is in the end zone again. Um, so yeah, I tried out both those guys. Uh, like Jeff said, he basically said everything I was going to say, um, Forte looked great. I would play Forte on Thursday night games. I tend to lean more towards playing your running backs. It seems like, uh, you know, three days rest teams, you know, the jets have to travel up to Buffalo. They, uh, you know, they kind of just come in, try to run the ball, try to burn the clock. They basically want that game over as quick as possible. Got three days rest in between the game, but, um, like Jeff said, what I was really going to touch on is that I would consider benching Rashawn McCoy. I know he's all they got, but um, that Jets defensive line is insane. And like you mentioned, Sheldon Richardson wasn't even there. There's a good chance that the Bills don't have Cordy Glenn, their best uh, offensive lineman this week. Uh, Tyrod looked awful last week. He could have been a dud, too, for us. Um, you know, he wasn't able to do anything with Sammy Watkins at probably 50%. Probably Probably won't play on a short week. If he does play, he won't be more than a decoy. And, you know, Darrell Revis is definitely going to be looking to uh, erase that game from people's memory pretty quickly with AJ Green. So I don't expect Watkins to do anything. I wouldn't start him. I wouldn't start Tyrod, wouldn't start Fitz. Uh, I'd start Marshall, Decker, Forte, and I'd be cautious with LaShawn McCoy and temper your expectations. Also, there's probably going to be a defense that does some good things, and I'm probably leaning towards the Jets defense. I would definitely stream the Jets defense and/or start them if you got them.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. That's awesome, and and that's our Thursday night preview. We should tell you that we are now going two times a week. It's kind of exciting to announce that. So we're gonna try. Yeah. To, we're gonna try to get you guys Tuesday and Friday. We're gonna on Tuesdays. We're gonna we're gonna review, give you our you know our, our top players and our, our our top failures of the week. What what to kind of expect from from the Thursday night game that's going to be upcoming, and then on Friday we'll review the Thursday night game, and then give you some some insight for the Sunday and Monday games. So also if you guys ever have any questions on Twitter or Facebook, you can always reach us. You can reach me at Kevin Hickey 11 on Twitter. AJ is S S A J Malak N F L, and Jeffrey is jsnides 4. All your are your questions are always welcome whether it's start sit or trades or whatever you guys need you can also tweet at QB mecca if, if you know you can always reach us there and you can use the hashtag qbmff so that's QB mecca fantasy fix and you can always just use that hashtag that way we know it's a fantasy fix podcast question so also on iTunes go ahead and subscribe rate and review we always appreciate that that helps us out a ton and We just appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we'll
1: see you next week. Have a good one. Good luck to everybody. Later.